Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Alan is a stylish tailor with moves as sharp as his suits. He spends his time searching tirelessly for his missing son, Michael, who stormed out after a game of Scrabble. With a body to identify and his, and his family torn apart, Alan must repair the relationship with his youngest son, Peter, and solve the mystery of the online player who he thinks could be Michael, so he can finally move on and reunite his family. Terrific film called Sometimes Always Never, triple word score, is, uh, and we're joined today by the director, Carl Hunter. Carl, welcome to Film School Radio. Oh, well, thank you for the invite. <laughs> thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. This is such a fun, in some ways, lighthearted film, but in other ways, very uh, grounded in, um, in some fairly weighty parts of people's lives, family, relationships, the people we care about, all those things. Tell me a little bit. I know you work with um, Frank Cottrell, Voice on the Story, but tell me mm. what drew you to this particular project. Well, I've worked with Frank on many, many things. We're all friends and I've directed films for him. I've written music and songs for radio plays for him. I've illustrated stories for him. I've contributed photographs to books for him. So Frank and I have this very long, very, very good multimedia relationship, which is great because it means you can try different things out all the time. So our relationship is a very good one. Um, and Frank had said to me a long time ago, he asked me to read a short story he'd written. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to read it. So uh, it was called Triple Word Score, and I just thought it was a fantastic story, kind of set in the world of Scrabble, about a missing, uh, about a father and son whose relationship had kind of had fallen apart through a missing son, um, and then Frank said this might make a good feature film, you know, do you fancy developing it? So that's what we started doing. We started to develop it as a, as a script, or rather he did. I just interfered. Yeah. Well, it's funny. And I love the premise of Scrabble as kind of the motif for the film. Mm. It gives you an opportunity to uh, introduce at certain points these little, these words, which act as yeah. a premise for the, for the next part of the film. I like the, mm. a lot of the things, the visual, the production design, the color scheme that you were, you were able to use really kind of feeds into this. Again, go back to what I said earlier, a, a lighthearted presentation of a very, some very weighty things about people and their relationship to one another. I'll, I'll get to the production part of it in a couple mm -hmm. of minutes, but um, you have a wonderful cast and I'd be remiss if I didn't. Yeah. Bill Nye, Sam Riley, Alice Lowe, Jenny Agutter. Agutter. Agator and uh, Tim uh, McElerney, uh, all of them are really, really good. They fit well together in the telling of this story. Let's talk about the cast because I think Bill Nye is so key, so important to, to making this film work. And his presence in the film is just unbelievably wonderful to watch and to be a part of. Tell us a little about casting the film. Well, initially, the, um, the, the cast of the film started with. Um, it was a very kind of beautiful, naive question, but um, the producer, Roy Bolter, 
um, who's a, again a very old friend, he said to me, before we start work on this film, on a wish list, who would you like to play Alan? But if it's a wish list, I said, well, Bill Nye. I had no idea at that moment in time that the, uh, the gods of good fortune were smiling on me and we sent Bill the script. Bill read it, loved it, asked to meet. So um, we met with Bill, which was in itself was just monumental because he's such a warm, caring, he's just a lovely man to spend time with. His manners are impeccable. His dress sense is impeccable. Um, and we got on really well. And he says, I really like the script. But the one thing I'm keen to talk about is the look of the film. You know, what, how do you see the film? And I said, well, actually, funny enough, um, and in my pocket, I pulled out a, an envelope which had a packet of Polaroids in it. Um, I walk regularly. I live near a beach and I walk a lot. And I take lots of photographs, um, as I have done most of my life. And like a pack of cards, I gave them to Bill and said, here's one of my walks I did recently. Here's a collection of Polaroids from that walk. And like a pack of cards, he went through them. And he went, oh, that's beautiful. That's gorgeous. Oh, that's stunning. And then he stopped on one photograph and he said, did you take that photo? And I said, yes. And he went, that's the film I'd like to be in. And I said, well, that's the film I'm going to make. And he said, well, let's do it. Yeah, that's how it started really. But Bill has got an incredible eye for visuals. He understands cinema as a visual art form. And ever since we had that conversation to today, which, you know, we're friends, um, we talk a lot about paintings or about, well, music as well, but about clothes. But he's interested in, in visuals. He's a very easy man to talk to and he's so knowledgeable. I love the opening scene of him standing on a beach with an umbrella. Mm. And the way that the, the film, and I don't want to give anything away, so I'll just say this, the symmetry of where the film ends, where it begins and where it ends is, I just yeah. love that. And also the fact that as I was watching the film, I was struck by the sort of the pairing of relationships in the film, right? The pairing of relationship between Bill Play, Bill Nye, who plays Alan, and his and his son uh, Peter. Those that's one relationship, and then yeah. there is Peter's relationship with his wife Sue, yeah. and then there's the relationship between the couple that we meet in the in that hotel that he plays Scrabble with, and, yeah. there, and there's and then there's another one, but anyway, yeah. just uh, these these coupling of these relationships in ways that you're able to push the story forward about how important they are and how troubled they can be at the same time, but still loving. Yeah. Go ahead, talk. I would love for you to talk about that, that sort of those themes that you were developing in the film. Well, we were looking at kind of, the, um, kind of generations, really, of relationships from young to kind of older. Um, you know, um, Jenny Agatha and Tim McInerney have a relationship which is broken but by the end of the film, it's fixed. Oops, I haven't spoiled it for anyone. And again, uh, Bill and his son, uh, Peter, in the film, they have a broken relationship and it needs fixing. Right. So in a way, the film is a bit like a kind of a repair shop. It's kind of an emotional repair shop. And the film goes along uh, in, its, in a desperate attempt to fix things which are ultimately broken. There's also another relationship which 
is our relationship with the missing son in the film. Right. And I think that's, that's quite interesting because even though it's a character we never see in the film, but he dominates the film completely, even right. though we never see him. And that was quite an interesting problem. How do you, how do you direct a film where there's a character in the film we're never going to meet, but he must dominate the film. He has to dominate it. So that was quite an interesting problem. Well, you solved it because and I think <laughs> that, that Scrabble motif, you know, mm. works because Skinny Thesaurus may or yeah. may not be may, may not be Michael. Oh, uh, there's one other relationship I was trying to remember. Uh, that's Jack and Rachel. This sort of yeah, yeah, generational yeah. thing where where they are literally standing side by side, but he never he never talks to her. Yeah. <laughs> And how, and, and how, how it, it's so funny, because the film is funny. It's genuinely funny. I love the scene where, where mom shows up at the, at the uh, bus stop and sort of forces mm. between them. Oh. You know? Yeah. I, Alice, yeah. Yeah. Alice, who plays, um, plays the mother, um, Alice Lowe, yeah. at that point in the film, she is so funny. She's yeah. a great visual comic, eh, Alice. Um, and she can say nothing and turn it into something huge. But in that scene, yes, she's very, very, very funny. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And I will say Bill Nye's character, I, this is sort of my personal sort of reference uh, to the film, and I, I hope this is appropriate. But uh, Bill Nye's character of Alan reminds me of Bill Murray's character in The Royal Tannenbaum. It just, there's a sort of a, he is, he feels a, apart from his family and he's trying desperately to reconnect with them. And he, and hmm. sort of for, I'm just giving that as a sort of a reference for people who, who yeah, the audience who I, that's how he felt uh, is sort of a, a man really at that point in his life where he feels like this is the, the most important thing he can do. I don't know if I have a question, I just an observation there, but uh, hmm. um, let's go to the, the look of the film. Uh, hmm. I, I, I you, you talked earlier about Bill Nye's uh, reaction to the photos, but uh, it really, there's almost a fancy, there is a fanciful vibe to the film and it's reinforced by the color schemes, the motifs, the, the different things that you do. Tell me a little bit about your visual style in the making of Sometimes, Always, Never. Um, well, actually, um, I come from an art school background, so I, my, my training, my qualifications are, I'm a designer. So I started life as a graphic designer. And I worked as a graphic, as an art director as well, I worked as an art director. So I'm kind of used to the world of design and photography. It's a world I'm familiar with. Plus all the films I kind of loved and still love, kind of spend a lot of time thinking about design. Uh, so the type of film I wanted to make, wanted to be a film which kind of looked at film grammar in a slightly different way. Um, I mean, Wes Anderson is a, is a big influence. Um, I mean, uh, that gets mentioned all the time. Uh, but so is Aki Karazmaki, the uh, Finnish director. And people like Karida, who's a uh, Japanese uh, director, made a beautiful film called uh, Morobushi, which fascinated me when I saw Morobushi. I couldn't figure out what it was about that film that I liked. There was something about it visually. And I realised at the end what it was, was there's a dissonance to the film so, for instance, there isn't a close-up in Morabushi, or I don't think there is. And I kind of nicked that idea. Though, can I shoot a film and not use any close-ups? So that's where, so it worked for Morabushi. So I thought, I'm going to try that. 
Um, so part of the style is it's a visual language which I was experimenting with. Plus also because I come from a design background, I'm kind of quite quite involved with anything to do with design because it's something I've always done. So the film has a look, a very retro vintage look to it. And that's partly to do with, even though the film's contemporary, it's meant to look like we're in a different era because there's one great big visual metaphor which runs throughout the film, which is the film's basically saying these characters are stuck in the past. So although we realize it's the present, visually, you're haunted by this idea of it's the past. So that kind of represents where Sam and his dad, Bill Nye, where they are in the film. They're kind of trapped in the past. So you're constantly reminded as a viewer that this, is a, this story is about the past, but ultimately it needs to be about the future, which is the last scene. Yes, and I was just going to say for people who see, mm. sometimes always never what you just described will give, will give it extra heft, if you will, extra, mm. extra meaning. My congratulations to you, Carl Hunter, on this wonderful film. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I just, it was so much fun from start to finish and, and getting, you know, without diving any more into all the, uh, the technical side of it. But thank you for, for how you described the, the lack of close-ups in it. I'm replaying the film mm. in my mind right now. And, <laughs> but it, it, but I mean, it's not something, I mean, I didn't, you know, it's, it, it was visually beautiful. I mean, I, I, there's, there's no, you know, oh darn, there was no, there was no <laughs> close-ups in it. It, yeah. it works. It works. And um, well, I, I'm, I'm so happy we're able to have an opportunity to talk about uh, sometimes, always, never. It is literally in theaters, uh, virtual theaters, starting today. So you can check it out at, at the uh, sometimes, always, never website. And then also it'll be on demand on July 10th moving forward. So all the best. And I hope uh, next time there's a, a Carl Hunter uh, project, you'll find some time to, to come back and join me. I had a great, great time with the film. Thank you so much, Carl. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for the invite. And I uh, appreciate all your very kind words. And, you know, I'd love to get over to America, maybe um, do something over there. That'd be, that'd be a treat. Come on over. <laughs> well, thank you, Carl Hunter. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You're a kind man. Thanks. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.